Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Jimenez in the air, right center field. Hicks back at the warning track in the wall. Gone! Eloy Jimenez lights up Sabathia and the sky. It's 3-1. We've been climbing. We're, we're, we're playing better baseball, more consistent baseball, starting to play really well at home, which is huge. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy we're, we're at 500. And, you know, it's kind of like a turning point, and uh, we just keep going from there. Lucas Giolito talking about the White Sox reaching 500, and you heard the first of the two Eloy Jimenez three-round homers. Quite a night to be at the ballpark last night. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. And we are pleased to bring in the manager of the Chicago White Sox into inside the clubhouse, Ricky Renneria. Nice enough to share some time on a Saturday morning. Good morning, Ricky. Good morning, guys. Well, appreciate your time as always, and uh, I know we've asked you at nauseum all year long, us that are around you most of the time, uh, whether you pay attention to the record or not, and you've been very honest about the fact that you don't look at the record every day, but when you hit the, the 500 mark at this time of the year, I guess it can't be ignored. Uh, what does it say to you, first of all, as a manager, that uh, you know this... this uh, watershed moment here at 500 has occurred on uh, June the 15th? Well, I, I just, just just think it speaks to the to those guys in the clubhouse and how they're going about their business. You know, you you work extremely hard from spring training on uh, and over the last couple of years to try to get them going in a particular direction, have them understand that they got to take care of certain things. There are, there are things that they can't control, things they can't control. And that uh, ultimately, you know, when you start to put it together, uh, the wins, uh, you know, start taking care of themselves because you're going through a process of, of executing and doing a lot of things that you need to in order to put yourself in a good position. And I think at this point, maybe it just shows that these guys are starting to, you know, understand that, come together. They're, they've been playing a lot better, um, doing a lot of little dip things, you know, and uh, we still have to you know, continue to work and do a lot of things to put us where we ultimately want to go. And uh, I think that uh, these young men understand what that's, that's about, and, and hopefully it continues. Have you seen the confidence grow as a collective, even just over the past week or two weeks, Ricky? I mean, the way that they're playing and the way you're winning games, it seems like they're all kind of feeling it right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't but help not feeling good about what's going on in that clubhouse with these guys. I think that they understand, and you know, uh, a lot of things that are going on around the, the baseball landscape. I think they want to be a part of it. I mean, you have to be driven uh, to want to win. I think obviously that's a, an, an outcome, um, but you have certain things that you have to do in order to do it. And uh, I think that they're taking on the mindset of trying to attack and, and do the best they can on a daily basis. Just again, control the things they can control and stay um, in certain moments and, and continue to thrive. Ricky Renderia, the manager of the Chicago White Sox, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Ricky, uh, when you uh, look at player development, which you are a master of, and uh, 
now a team starting to feel its oats and starting to compete. Um, how do you, sitting down with your coaching staff on a daily basis, sitting down with, with uh, Rick Hahn and, and Kenny Williams, how do you balance the wanting to win every single day and knowing that's your ultimate goal and also continuing the player development and kind of uh, protecting players against uh, overuse and um, situations where they're still overmatched. How, how, how much of a balance and a uh, juggling act is that for you as you see the team progress into what appears to be a contender from this point on? Well, I think, honestly, you have to allow players to have the experiences that are going to put them uh, in a better place as they continue to develop, you can't, you know, um, get lost in, in a particular moment that, that might be a failed action. Uh, I think that, uh, if you start doing that, you take away from the, uh, the player's ability to learn something from particular uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. Also, I think you, you pick and choose certain spots at times, uh, to allow guys to get an experience um and you're, you're right i mean it's a balance between trying to allow these guys to continue to learn and trying to win a game on a on a nightly basis it's a fine line but i think that the players understand uh that at the end of the day they're the ones that are going to have to perform and if i do allow them to go out there and to compete and be in a moment that's going to be extremely necessary for their growth uh, i'm going to let it happen and um i think that Everybody in that clubhouse understands that they're gaining a, a lot of knowledge and experience through everything that they're going through. And, uh, you know, we, we try to balance it as best we can. You know, the coaches are doing extremely uh, – they work extremely hard. They, they get together. They, they work with these guys every single day. Uh, they try to formulate plans that can give these guys enough information to put them on better footing. And, um, you know, I, I'm extremely proud of, you know, my staff and – Obviously, the players who are the ones that are, you know, between the lines doing everything every day. Lucas Giolito is something, uh, Ricky, something, something so, so fun to watch. Um, last night, after giving up the home run to Luke Voigt, next time up, he, he throws tight, um, high and tight to Voigt, and Luke was chirping about it after the game. Was that just Lucas trying to reestablish control of the inside of, uh, of, of the strike zone, which obviously big league pitchers are allowed to do? You know, honestly, um, you know, I don't know uh, and I don't think that he was necessarily trying to get up on tight on top of him. Uh, that was just uh, a pitch that gets away. But when you have two guys competing, you know, and and uh, getting after each other at the highest level, you know, you can get, you know, emotionally obviously involved in the whole thing. I think I think Lucas just understands what he's capable of doing. I think he uh, knows what he wants to do with every hitter that he that he's uh, facing, and um, you know he's going to try and do what he can to put himself in a better position the next time around. Ricky, the personalities of your players are starting to evolve as well as their play on the field, which is really fun to watch. Tim Anderson has been a lightning rod for the White Sox, and uh, you know him being steadfast about uh, not being intimidated by people, by establishing White Sox baseball, uh, by his good play and his personality. Now we're starting to see Eloy Jimenez uh, kind of do the same thing with that, uh, with that great talent that he has and also that, you know, big poppy-like personality, which is it, it kind of, it's, it's kind of like a magnet, isn't it, Ricky, as far <laughs> as, as the way he enjoys the game and also – 
uh, such a crossover guy with all of his teammates? Well, I, I think that playing the game of baseball, if you can't have joy playing the, the game of Major League Baseball and uh, at some point be kid-like, um, you know, something's wrong uh, with how we go about doing our business. It's tough enough to play at the Major League level and, the, and, and compete against the best that exist in the game and, and not be able to enjoy, you know, being out there and, and having success. Um, I think everybody probably relishes that. I know we relish uh, everything our guys do when they're enjoying the, what they do. Um, I think Eloy is going to be a, a tremendous personality both between the lines and off the field, and uh, I think everybody's starting to see it a little bit. Renato Lopez, his last time out, threw 16 curveballs, got seven swinging strikes on the curveballs, and it, it, it's, it's been written that, that Don Cooper's been all over Renato, asking him to trust the curveball. Uh, you think we'll see more of that um, today and beyond from Renato Lopez? Well, I think it's part of the one of the pitches that allows him to become obviously more effective it it showed in his last outing um again i think um you know sequencing and when you use it is obviously important as well but that is an important pitch for him i think to to get back on track and uh i know they've been working on it um um, steadily to see if they get him more and more comfortable with it and find that usage uh necessary to make him more effective but um, you know, Lopi is another guy who I think um, he's, he's scratched the surface last year a little bit. You know, he had a really nice season. I know it's been a little up and down this year, but he's another one that's going to be pretty good, and, and hopefully uh, he starts to settle down. Uh, I thought the seminal moment for the White Sox uh, lately was the, uh, the way that you used the bullpen the other night, knowing that you weren't going to use Alex Colme. Uh, obviously, the opposition didn't know that. Using Bummer and uh, the uh, evolving of your young pitchers into important roles, getting the important job done with Bummer, closing out his uh, first save uh, the other night. Yeah. What's your thought about that? Because I thought that was one of the bigger moments of the season as we look forward. Well, I think all of the guys that we've been using to close out ballgames and used in particular moments, have been building to that. I think Calvin's been working himself back again. Um, he looked very good uh, that particular evening. You know, everybody knows that he had kind of gone through a little up and down uh, moments, and that had more to do with him just getting back on track physically and, and um, um, commanding the zone and, and, and getting back to who he was. Obviously, he's had the stuff. He's been able to do it over the course of his career. Bummer's been chipping away at, at what he's capable of doing, truly trusting himself and understanding that the stuff he has is really elite and that when he trusts that he's capable of doing as good as anybody out there on the on the mound. And, uh, you know, Evan Marshall is, is another person who's come through now for us quite a bit in, in big key situations. I think that allowing these guys to continue to evolve, Bummer in particular, uh, allowing them a situation there which was going to give him and us a boost, knowing that now we have some guys that we can turn to uh, in certain situations. Um, you know, you you when you're winning, you're using your bullpen a lot on the back end of it. And um, you know, we had one one of two things to do: we could use the fresher arm, which had you know electric stuff, or or put our guy that had you know stressed a little bit into 39 pitch outing the previous. Um, a game, even though we had the day off, it's still a lot of pitches. 
and use a guy that might be not quite at his, his peak or go ahead and use the guy and trust the guy that, you know, has the stuff that he's been growing into. And uh, I think uh, it just worked out. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It worked out. We trust these men, and they continue to show us that they're capable of doing um, more than people expect. Hey, Ricky, did you and your players feel the buzz in that place last night? It was hopping, man, 31,000, and especially after the first Eli Homer, that place was electric. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You know, the fans are getting into it. I know the players love it. Um, You know, they go out there trying to do their best and and, and give them a nice show, and and I think, you know, everybody's embracing, uh, you know, this this run. I think everybody's embracing um, what the organization is trying to do and has been trying to do for the last few years. And hopefully they're starting to see signs of what we're going to be capable of doing as we move forward into the near future. And uh, we're very, very excited about the support that we receive. Ricky, Matt, and I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for uh, being a a good sport as always. And uh, on a daily basis, uh, not jumping out and choking the the crap out of me when I ask certain (laughs) questions. Because I know there's been times. I don't know how you do it. Well, I know. There's been times where his eyes get really wide and there's a vein or two that might, you know, pop. And he gives me a very calm answer. So I appreciate it, Ricky. It's, it's, no been, it's been great. Have a, have a great we, day. We'll see you at the ballpark later. Okay? We thank you guys. Thank you for right, everything. Thanks. Thank you. Ricky Renneria, the manager of the Chicago White Sox. It's not an uncommon response from some of my questions of managers over the last uh, 35 or 40 years. Yeah. Um, who, who came the closest to, to getting up in your grill? Uh, or did somebody actually get up? In I your think Pinella. <laughs> that was, is that, that was, a surprise? No, no. He actually did get in my grill after a question I asked after a, after a game. It was a tough game, and I asked a hard question. He came. I was in the clubhouse after his interview process, and he came up to me and he goes, I don't appreciate the way you asked that question and how you asked it. And uh, I want you to know it, okay? Okay, Lou, thank you. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, we talked about it the next uh, day before the game. And the beautiful thing about Lou Pinella was it's over after he blows off steam. Yeah, that was, right. But he's, he was not shying away from in your grill. I, I, I always think of uh, the story that, that Dempster, that Ryan Dempster told me on Hit and Run this year about how one time Lou came and took him out, um, and Dempster was the closer. You know, and Lou came, he came out just to talk to him, to talk to him about stuff, not to take him out of the game, but just to talk to him. And the next day, Dempster said to Lou, hey, Lou, uh, you know, I'm the the closer, right? I'm going to finish the games, right? So I I think you should only come out to shake my hand and congratulate me or to take me out. That's the only time that I want to talk to you on 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 uh, uh, on the mound. And Lou said, I like that. All right. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Like, like Lou was game. Lou, yeah, Lou you was could game talk to because, Lou. Well, if you showed that type of confidence, you know, he, that's what he wants. He wants – Lou was always – all these managers about results, but it was, you don't give me the results right now, I'm getting in your face. Uh-huh. And you know what? Um, sometimes I'm going to out you to the media too because if, if you're not getting the job done – I remember – I was texting up and back with J.D. during the broadcast. He was talking about Rich Hill at 39, uh, pitching a great game against the Cubs. And I said, you know, Pinella went nuts once. Uh, I, think he, I think Rich Hill was uh, pitched to like seven hitters in the first inning, gave up three runs, and Lou took him out. You know, in the first inning, you uh-huh. know, just three runs, but he took him out. And after the game, he goes, Rich Hill. 
Rich Hill. I mean, and that, that's, that's all. And then he's basically saying, what am I supposed to do about that? <laughs> Much heralded young <laughs> you know, pitcher Rich it's, Hill at it's the Lou time. at his best, you know. When they lost to the Dodgers and they got swept in, uh, in 2008 uh, by them uh, to, to be out of the playoffs, he goes, what happened? Go talk to those 25 guys. Ask them what happened. <laughs> this is at the, they're done. They're, they're going home. And it's oh, like, boy. don't ask me what happened. Ask those guys what happened. Oh. Lou was all about responsibility being pointed in the right direction. Those are grim memories, those two playoff series in 07 and 08. They've come a long way since then, though. Lots of Cubs talk, lots of Sox talk. We're going to talk about Ben Zobra's possibility of him coming back. Uh, the reality of uh, the Cubs' road trips, more White Sox, 312-644-6767, text Matt at 6711 as we continue to 11 before him and Rosie do their thing. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. It's inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Taylor hits a fly ball to deep center. Back goes Almora to the center field fence. He makes the catch. Great catch by Almora up against the wall. Highlight courtesy of 670 The Score. I love those guys. Um, That's the great Pat Hughes last night. What a catch by Albert Almora for anybody who fell asleep or maybe bailed as the Cubs were losing. You mean Mike Montgomery? Oh, oh, Mike Montgomery. Montgomery walks the bases loaded. I I believe 12 balls out of 14 pitches for Mike Montgomery. And and then gives up that absolute blast by Chris Taylor, and Almora makes an incredible catch, banging his head against the wall. And Montgomery's I love when pitchers do that, when they point the finger like, thank you, appreciate that. that that's why that game wasn't as close as uh, the final score said. It just wasn't. I mean, there, there are some things going on with the Cubs and their road problems that we will we'll get into. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're – Two, they've won two out of their last 12 games on the road, Matt. That mm. is difficult. So far this season uh, for uh, road series, they are 4-11, and 11, okay, on the verge of being 4-12 and 12 as far as losing series on the road. If they lose one more game, the next two, they're there. 14-20 and 20 on the road does not scream out to you uh, division winner. Uh, uh, that, that's not a good enough record. They... They are certainly a good enough team on the home, on, on, at home. And uh, they need to be more consistent on the road if they're going to win that division and be a uh, team that's in the 90-plus area uh, when it comes to the end of the season. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. They're still a very good team. Uh, they still have deep starting pitching. It hasn't pitched all that well lately. But, uh, you know, the ebb, of the ebb and the flow of the season right now is uh, there is – certainly a feeling when they go on the road that they're not necessarily going to win. 
The U.S. Open coverage on the score all day is brought to you by the BMW Championship at Medina Country Club, August 13th through August 18th, 2019. Visit BMWChampionship.com. And the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, the Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves. would like to thank their loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you and see you in October. So when Ben Zobrist um, went away and then we found out why, slowly some context would come out and we would hear some conversation and I... I, 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 I ended up pretty sure or, or ended up feeling rather confident that Ben Zobrist was not going to come back. I think a lot of us felt that way and still do. But uh, that window opened a little bit with commentary from Theo Epstein from Los Angeles and, uh, of course, Jed Hoyer here on uh, The Score on Thursday. Let, let me read you what Theo said uh, to the beat writers in the dugout uh, before they played the Dodgers on Thursday. There's been a little definition added to how Ben hopes this thing might go. I've been in constant touch with Zobrist. He knows the door is open. I think he's got an idea in mind on how he would like this to go, but his priorities are clear. That's family first. Certainly the door is open, and the possibility of a return is there for him later in the season. We'll see how things evolve. We'd all love to see him back here, and he would love to be back. We'll see if that can come to fruition. And Jed Hoyer on the score earlier this week on Thursday talked a little bit about uh, the possibilities of Zobris down the line. We've been in contact with Ben. Uh, he's been in contact with his teammates. So, you know, he's... Um, you know, obviously working through this family stuff, we're giving him his privacy, but uh, certainly as, a, as an organization, you know, we're hopeful that uh, we'll see him in a Cubs uniform again and that we will just kind of given his professionalism that when he does come back, uh, he'll get himself in great shape and he'll be, he'll be ready to play. You heard when he does come back there right. at the end. Yeah, and that, that it's a reversal, uh, as you picked up on, Matt, of uh, the not, not only previous conversation, but just – his initial comments on this were general, and then he goes, when he comes back. And that leaves the door open to the fact that uh, we're looking at a possibility, as Epstein said, of, you know, late summer. Yes, yeah, see, see that, that's the thing is, like, this, does, this is more than a door opening to me. This yeah. is both of them, right. as you listen carefully and parse carefully, sounding like Ben wants to do it, and so, they're going to try and make it happen, too. So he hasn't played since May 8th, okay, uh, at age of 38. Um, pretty much Joe Madden has told me it'll take him three weeks to get into any type of semblance of shape. Hmm. Okay. So you, from that, that's competing, you know, you know, going back and doing spring training stuff, then playing in games again before he's ready to play. So with that in mind, he has to probably by uh, the middle to the late of July, middle of July to late July, get ready to go and start training. And maybe what Epstein says with how they, how, how, how Ben would like this to go means that he comes back September 1st when rosters expand, nobody's job is lost, no, uh, no promise to him or the rest of the team that he has to be an everyday contributor. Mm-hmm. He can help in some fashion at that point. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. September 1st makes a lot of sense in terms of the timeline for the ball club. As you say, nobody has to lose a job. The rosters can expand and, and he can be used as, as sparingly or as much as you want. And also from his personal perspective, as he's been you know, trying to establish custody and, and, and dealing with, 
you know, wanting to make it seem very clear to the courts that he is a father, wants to be a father, an active father. September 1, school has begun again. So if you're, it, 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 perhaps you can get things uh, a little bit under control, a little bit more manageable in terms of you being able to leave and go back to work at that point. Absolutely. Those things are all viable. And I think they're, they're really important to concentrate on. And uh, you cannot ignore the, the dollar figure, okay? So Epstein and Hoyer both are very honest guys. They're transparent. Don't ever remember them lying in general. They said that uh, the money wasn't the issue here with Ben Zobrist and that it had uh, nothing to do with uh, Kimbrell being signed. But we heard from last October on that there was no money to yeah. spend. Okay, N- none. Okay, I think the sudden availability of the Zobrist money is absolutely a factor. Right. I'm not saying that they didn't. They both. Epstein and Hoyer have said, we, we went to Tom Ricketts, mm-hmm. and he said, okay. Well, part of that okay is the fact that they're not going to have to pay the full 10 to um, Kimbrell because some of that money has been saved already with uh, Zobris missing six weeks here, uh, and he's not getting paid, which you should understand again, and the fact that um, $60 million is coming off the books next year. So we're closer to that, that time you know, where the payroll output ends at uh, the, end of, uh, the end of September, October 1st, and then you're, you're talking about letting the owner know, okay, we have $60 million in contracts coming off of the books. We'll be able to fit Kimbrell in, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Zobris, uh, Mr. Uh, Morrow, Mr. Hamels, all their big contracts come off the books. Now, a texter asking if Zobris would be available for the playoff roster if he comes back on September 1st. Uh, I think technically, yes, because he's, he's never been taken off. Right, because he, he's, he's never been taken off the 40-man. No. He, he's, he, and he played earlier in the year, so, so, so he's the, been there. Technically, is absolutely yes. Um, it's not just the 25-man roster. It's anybody that's been on your 40-man. Mm-hmm. So, 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 and what you're thinking about you is... You have to be on the 40-man on July on uh, on August thirty first, you have to be on the forty man by August thirty first to be eligible for the playoff roster, right. and then those are made round by round, as we know, right. with the wild card game being its own round. You can have your own roster exactly. for that game. So, so uh, you know, a great scenario would be he comes back late in the year. He's in good shape. He has Ben Zobris type at bats and brings Ben Zobris type of uh, professionalism back to the team, and he helps him win, and he goes out in a blaze of glory because I was told flat out that he was planning on retiring anyway after the 2019 hmm. season. Well, on a, on a, personally, I would love to see Ben Zobrist able and allowed to come back and play a little bit more and have a season that ends on his terms, a career that ends on his terms, right. as opposed to it being forced the way right. that it was. But uh, as we speak today on June 15th, Matt, there is no place for Ben Zobris on this team. Who would you be able to move off of that roster comfortably? Certainly people are yelling, Descalso, Descalso. But he's got a two-year deal. He's got a two-year deal. You know, the, the, the fact is that uh, there's, there's no viable guy to come off right now. So uh, Ben is not going to force himself back on the roster. That's just not Ben Zobris, mm-hmm. okay? He's not going to say, yeah, you have to take me back on in two weeks. I'm ready. And get rid of somebody else he's just he's just too team and he's he's just too good of a 
a professional person and a, and a person in general to say, yeah, you got to take me back right away after missing six weeks or seven weeks. So Descalso not going to the chopping block, um, you know, anytime soon for Zobrist or anything like that. But when it comes time for a playoff roster, if Zobrist is here, I'd rather have have Ben get those at-bats than Daniel Descalso. It's it's all about, you know, who's producing at that point, I think. And there's – it's not it's not personal at that point. It's all about professionally what you got out there. Let's take one call before we hit another break, and then we we segue back into you and Rosie at the top of the hour. Um, John in Naperville has been holding. Good morning, John. How are you? Actually, it's Tony. Oh, Tony. Sorry, Tony. What's going on, man? That's okay. Right. Hey, Bruce. I know. I I just hate these these statistics that everybody goes by, and my only point is. You know, Len Casper, he's shoveling baloney to me because Schwarber's up at top, and, and, and maybe he is doing a good job, but he's, what is he hitting, 230? And he strikes out a lot. Give me a break. And the same thing with Hayward. You could have all the, what is line drive exit? Who gives a crap if he's hitting 240? 240's 240. So he could have a great line drive rate all year round. Have you, you heard of the OPS uh, era, Tony? That's where... That's where most executives uh, or, are at. Or how about just OBP? Can we can we can can you embrace the idea that OBP is more important than batting average? Can we just embrace Matt, that? Matt, Matt, I can embrace some of the statistics, but the bottom line well, is. Well, I just asked you about one, not, a basic one, Tony. Not, OBP instead of batting average. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. Yeah, Thank but you. but if if like I said, uh, Tony, if they can go out and get an Inciarte and he's healthy and he's available and he doesn't cost them much. Uh, I think everybody would be interested in a guy that can get on base, has some speed, and move and move some of the sure. rest of the order down to where they're more productive. That's all I'm saying, guys, is that we're in an era, and then you hear about, you know, you got other guys talking on the score about, well, you got to hit home runs. And, th- and then you hear, well, you know what, they're, they're doing that, but it's not, what, what's it, it's, it's not to their benefit right now. Yeah. So I, 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 they're, I don't, they're caught I, in the middle I, right now, Tony. Tony, thank you. Base- yeah, go ahead. Make your last point. Appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, 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 I'm in the middle on this. Honestly, I, I believe in OPS. I believe in all the things that they talk about. But when it comes to the top, top of the order, mm-hmm. and Schuster and I talk about this every day in the, in the. Uh, in the, lock, uh, in the locker room, uh, uh, in the in the uh, press box, you gotta have somebody that can get on base, that can move a little bit, and you move your run producers down. As Schwarber, he can hit anywhere. From, uh, you know, oh, great, he can hit one, but I rather have him three, four, five, even six to uh, drive in some massive amount of runs. I mean, we're, we're talking about run scoring and run production. Now mm-hmm. that you can't get away from that. Both of those numbers are still the huge point part of the game. You're either driving in runs or scoring runs or you're an unproductive player. On base percentage for the Cubs, your best three regulars are Bryant, Rizzo, and Contreras. After that, it's Hayward and Bodie. Baez and Schwarber have identical on base percentages of three thirty. Yeah. Well, so, so I mean, you like the idea of Baez, Baez is up an there? anomaly, you know, because of the fact that he hits three hundred, that he's so productive that he uh, he can change the course of a game mm-hmm. with a couple of swings. So he's never going to walk. Okay. So he's never ideal as far as your. Uh, 
OPS guy or certainly your on-base percentage guy. Right. Well, Schwarber will. But the instant impact of what he does and the fact that he hits 300 and he can run a little bit better than uh, Schwarber. I mean, you know, he can score from first on a single, on a double, right? Mm-hmm. Schwarber's not scoring from there. Eh, it depends. It's got to be but really well-placed double. Someone's going to have to fall down. Well, maybe Brian Butterfield when he's holding up the stop sign. Someone's going to have to fall down for Schwarber, and that's not a knock on Schwarber. It's just, it's it's just, just that you know you 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 want to have a guy that has a little bit of speed that can get on base. Mm-hmm. It's not asking a heck of a lot. It's not necessarily the era, but when you look at George Springer, who's your ideal uh, leadoff guy. Home run guy, but he can run as well. Yeah. So, so there's a the difference. You can't have perfection in a lineup, and it might not be the number one thing, but an on-base percentage guy to go along with a left-handed bullpen guy, those are the priorities the Cubs have, and that's, that's what they're looking for right the, now. The bottom of the hour was brought to you by Lakeside Bank. Good treasury management is good business, but there's a secret. At many banks, it's cookie-cutter and costly. At Lakeside Bank, they custom-design programs for each client and save them money. Call Lakeside Bank. Learn the secret to real treasury management. Lakeside Bank, it's about time. 312-644-6767 is the phone number to hop in. 670-11 via text to get in on Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, you brought up something before the show, and I've been reading this morning. Kenny Rosenthal on The Athletic is right there with you. His, his story is, it's not baseball, it's bludgeon ball, and all these home runs are damaging the game, Bruce Levine. You had a different take on it. You say, hey, it's still exciting to me and uh, brings people out to the park. Um, you know, home run records being set, as you just pointed out to me. There's 20 teams on pace to hit 200 or more homers. There's probably 12 or 15 of those teams would set all-time marks for home runs for their franchise. Um, yeah, there's 25 guys on pace to hit at least 40, and the record is 17 set in 1996. Well, uh, basically, it's a fascist. <laughs> and fascist means milita- militaristic control by MLB. Uh, they are insisting that they control the outcome of these games, Matt. Mm. Okay? So they're giving you a ball that's a golf ball, and it's being hit out by everybody. And everybody is adhering to, well, we have to have launch angle if we're going to take advantage of this. And, you know, Len Casper came out and said, oh, well, we didn't hit enough homers. They out-homered us mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, that that's not how the, the game should be played. Well, that's how, it, it's how it is now. That is like you look at the top ten in homers, and eight of them are the best teams in baseball. Right, but but again, if you look at the best teams in baseball, they're they're also the ones that pitch the best, and uh, th- those are the teams that are going to survive regardless of how the ball is. So you know, to me, when, when you hear that, uh, you know, one game has fourteen home runs in it, sets an all time record. That's not exciting to me. That's, that's kind of like predictable outcome of what type of ball you have out there. So I, I like the home run, and I've always loved the home run as much as anybody else because it's, you know, you're the man if you can hit it mm-hmm. 380 feet. But what is the average length of a home run? It's, it's well into the fours now. It's not 385 or 390. You know, your, your averages are 414. 
you know, you're commonly seeing the 460, yeah. 470 foot home run. Uh, to me, that's skewing it. That's controlling it by Major League Baseball. I'm not enjoying it. Well, I I, I think that there's. I don't think they intended to do this. No, n- not necessarily. But it certainly has happened. The ball when, when is you absolutely a, screwed when up. When you have a tennis drop. Okay. Mm. There, there's one way. We have to make our game more exciting. This is, I, you cannot refute the fact that the baseball is juiced anymore. This is my favorite nugget from the Rosenthal column this morning. Triple A leagues are using the major league ball right. for the first time this season, and they're averaging a home run every 25 at bats. Last year, 38.2 at bats with the old ball. There you go. I mean, there you go right there. Not so exciting to me. Uh, you know, again, what the Cubs are trying to do, what the White Sox are kind of trying to do, both Renteria and Madden are encouraging and cajoling their hitting coaches and their players to use the entire field and hit, okay? That ball is still lively if you hit a line drive. It's going to go to the fence. It's going to, uh, you know, they're, go- they're going to be able to, they're going to have a harder time defensing, uh, you know, the line drive as mm-hmm. well because it's, it gets out there fast. Matt, we've talked about it. You watch BP, and and you have to be careful standing there on the sidelines because those are rockets coming off of those bats. Yeah, without a doubt. It, it, they they want everybody to do to be home run hitters for the first two strikes, and then adjust and become a a, a spray hitter and, and use the whole and, field and after it, that. And it's skewing the type of player that's being promoted, the type that's being uh, scouted and drafted and developed. It's all of that stuff. Matt, we have. People to thank, as always, uh, certainly Ricky Renneria, the manager of the White Sox, for joining us. Len Casper, the great broadcaster, who you can hear on The Score every day as well, joined us. Uh, We will have a special next week, as uh, the first hour we'll have our regular show. The second hour, a dedication to Ryan Sandberg, 35th year uh, dedication, uh, June 23rd, 1984, the Sandberg game. Bob Costas will be joining us. Hopefully, Ryan Sandberg, Willie McGee, a lot of the people that were involved in that will have some fun with that. That's really cool. And I, I know you, you, you've you talked to Willie McGee, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Bob Costas next week on the show. Thank you also to Zach Withers for doing a great job on the producing. As always, people can follow me at MLB, MLB Bruce Levine on Twitter. Also, 670score.com. I write White Sox Cubs every day. Matt, have a great week. See you next week. You got it. Thanks, Bruce. Steve Rosenblum is up next with me, Matt Spiegel, here on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.